Anybody? Two of you are discovering that's all right. Good. All right. It's well worth it. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. This is the uh, prayer of the Apostle Paul that we've kind of been studying and using as our uh, text for these teachings. And uh, we're going to be um, endeavoring to reveal the real you. Um, there's a lot of people that are in search of me, uh, especially when it comes to the first of the year. They want to find them, me. Well, I'm telling you, um, I found me, and I didn't much like it. Uh, I was disappointed, so praise God. The Bible doesn't teach you to find you. It teaches you to find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find you. Amen? Did you get that? When you find Jesus, you find you. Amen? Because you're one spirit with him. In him you live and move and have your being. Amen? In him, that's where we find our identity. And identity means everything. Because you cannot understand your function and what you're called to do unless you understand the identity that you have in Christ Jesus. And so a lot of people don't even have an understanding that they're even a spirit creation. Uh, they don't have any clue about, you know, what the Bible says about who they are and what they were created. And so thereby they cannot function in those areas. And the enemy keeps them in ignorance um, in regards to these things because he doesn't want you finding out who you are what you are called to do and your identity in Christ because that means that you'll put him under your feet and he doesn't want to be under your feet he wants to be over your head dominating you and controlling you and manipulating you amen but we're not going to let that happen in 2022 amen yeah. amen we're going to rise up and be who God has called us to be and break the shackles and the chains of religion, of the flesh, and of any identity marker that seeks to keep us from the revealing of Jesus Christ in us. That's what we're going to do. Amen? And so it says for verse 14 of chapter 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, or as the Passion Translation says, that you may be empowered to discover. Notice that, that there is a supernatural empowerment given by the Holy Spirit to show you who you are. Because notice what it says, that you have been strengthened to comprehend with all the saints because he desires all the saints to know these things. Amen? And then he says, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we be filled with all the fullness of God. How many would like to be filled with all the fullness of God? Amen? Hallelujah. Five of you. But that's all right. We'll keep, we'll keep moving. I would like to be filled with all the fullness of God. I like what the Amplified says. It says, to be holy, fully, and flooded with God himself. And you know, that's my desire. I'm sure that's your desire. 
I want more of God in 2022. How about you? But we have to understand that there are op- there's opposition to this. It isn't just going to happen because we want it to happen. That there are uh, entities and uh, there are things that have been set up, protocols that have been set up in the earth to keep you from seeing who you really are. In fact, you've been put within a physical, you know, a material matrix that conceals God and conceals God's purpose and plan in you. And so we have to break free of that. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to break us out of the system, the world system. Amen. And so we're here and we're learning because we've been empowered to discover. Because we were in ignorance. We weren't just ignorant. We were ignorance. The Bible says we were darkness. We didn't have darkness. We were darkness. We were actually one with darkness. And darkness means ignorance, lack of light, lack of understanding. We were people who had lack of understanding until Jesus broke through with his word and with his gospel to reveal to us the way humanity was created to be. Amen? Because for years and years... Uh, humanity was under the guise and still is to a great degree under the teaching and under the the um, uh, the uh, the teaching and the rule of malevolent spirits that are against humanity and they basically dictate and try to tell you what a human being is but then Jesus comes on the scene and he speaks to trees and he tells us to speak to mountains And he walks on water, and he raises the dead, and he heals the lepers, and he casts out devils. And then he says, the works that I do shall you do, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. Amen? And so he basically, the one of the main things that we teach and train is that, you know, I'm glad that salvation is a redemption. I'm glad that salvation is a rescue. But one of the main things you've got to understand, the reason for your salvation is replication. Jesus wants to replicate himself in you. Amen? Jesus wants to replicate himself in you. Amen? So he wants to live his life. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20? He says, I was crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live, but not I. It is Christ who liveth in me and the life that I now live I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me what is he saying it's not about living for God it's about allowing Jesus to live through us do you understand that we basically the whole reason for your salvation and the cleansing of iniquity and sin and rebellion from your life is so that God could pour his spirit within you and upon you and use you as a vessel in this world. That's the sole reason. Replication. Most people say, well, salvation is about heaven. When I die, I go to heaven. Well, you know, that's, that's basically when you're through. But, but God wants you to do something right here, right now, in this place. Amen? He loves you and he'll love you in heaven. But he can't, please listen to this. He can't use you in heaven. He can't use you to increase the gospel in the earth in heaven. 
Amen? You've got to be here, and you are important to God. And guess what? Just as we have said the last couple of weeks, you are important to the devil as well. The devil sees you as public enemy number one. And if he can keep you bound, and if he can keep you settled, and if he can keep you comfortable, and he can keep you wallowing in your sin through condemnation, guilt, and shame, and neutralize your life, and keep you dead, he'll do it. Because he knows the only way that he's going to ever be able to gain advantage over you is to keep you in the dark and to keep you in bondage. Amen? But we're going to break free. I said, we're going to break free. Some of you are saying, well, I'm already broke free. Well, you need some more breaking. <laughs> Amen. We all need some more breaking. How about you? I need some more breaking. <clears throat> but I'm grateful that God has given me the empowerment to discover these things. And notice that discovery requires effort. It's not something that's just going to flop on me and get on my face and wiggle around. It's got to be pursued. You know, there's deep wells within each and every one of you that God has put, wells of salvation. It's up to us to draw out the riches of his inheritance that is within us. Amen? And that's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1. He said that you might know what is the riches of his inheritance and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. Amen? And so that is all within you. He's not saying that you get power or that you get inheritance. He says, I want you to see what you already got, Kirby, on the inside of you, which is the inheritance that I put within you. And the power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. That same power quickens our mortal body and makes us alive. Amen? It's the same power that causes us to be able to rise above the devil, sin, depravity, sickness, and disease, and any kind of bondage. Come on, are you awake out there? So we've got to understand our makeup. We know from Genesis 1:26 that God made man in his image after his likeness and gave him dominion or rulership. But man lost that. So man was originally created, if you look at the second chapter of Genesis, he was created out of the dust of the ground, but that wasn't the man, that was just the shell. The man was breathed in to the nostrils of that clay being. And the Bible says that he breathed in him the breath of lives, the Hebrew says, and man became a living soul. Now, the living part has to do with the Spirit because all life, listen to this, all life comes from the Spirit. There is no life that does not have the parent of the Spirit. The Spirit is the parent of all life. Psychological life, soma or physical life or body life are all products of spirit life. And spirit was breathed in. He became a spirit soul. So that shows you the components of the heart of man. The components of the heart of man is the soul and the spirit united. That is the heart of man. When the Bible talks about your heart, he's talking about your spirit and your soul. These are both together. When these leave your body, 
you do not live on this earth anymore. Your spirit and soul go to God, and they will one day rejoin your body in a resurrected body. Amen? But when your spirit and soul or your heart leaves your body, your body is no longer animated by life. Do you understand that? Amen? Now, we've got to look at uh, some things that will kind of give us some light on that. Ephesians, back up to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible is the only book that dissects the human creation accurately. See, we've got to realize that we are tripartite. What do I mean by that? You, by virtue of being in the likeness and image of God, are a triunity. You operate in three dimensions. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. Notice it says that he became a living soul. So we begin to see that the living has to do with the spirit or the nefesh in the Hebrew. And then soul, of course, is, you know, our mind, our will, and emotions, our sentient abilities to interact and correspond with the physical world, okay? So he became a living soul. So the original creation of man was to live from the inside out. We were to live from the center of our being, which is our spirit, and live out from that. But sin caused us to live outside in. And so we were raised, unless we were born again at a young age, majority of us were raised in an outside-in paradigm. How many know what I'm talking about? Basically, what it says is that all the information outside of me dictates to me who I am and what I can do. So if my uh, data from the flesh and from the outside tells me that I can't do something, I tend to side with that. I cannot do something. I cannot do it. Or if my flesh shows that I can do something, then I operate in that. But it basically enslaves me to sense knowledge. I'm, 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 I'm locked in to just what my senses can tell me. And uh, I was never created to operate that way. I was supposed to operate at a higher level, but because of sin, now sense knowledge is my master. It dictates how much I can make, what I can do, what I can dream, what I can believe, what I can, you know, accomplish. Sense knowledge tells me, well, you know what, you're not very tall, so you can't play basketball. You're not very, you know, it just little things like that over and over again begin to enslave us and trap us and keep us in a prison. But praise God for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So notice what uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1 says. It kind of shows our condition, and then it begins to dissect. How many remember dissection in science class, you know? You'd get a frog or whatever, and you would dissect that frog, and you would see the pieces and all of the various things about a frog, more than you'd ever want to know. You would find out about a frog. We dissected a cow's heart, and that was very interesting, but um, we couldn't afford frogs. 
So he, we just got a cow's heart. But notice he's dissecting this. And he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. The word death is very interesting because it doesn't mean cessation of life. It's a qualitative of existence. Death is an existence. What is its, uh, what, what existence is it? It's an existence that is separated from the source, the life of God. So a person that is dead spiritually is a person that is separated from the life of God, separated from the source. And so he says, you were dead, you were separated from the source, you were still existing, you still functioned, but yet you were separated from the source of life in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked in. So it shows you that the sin nature was a habitual nature, that it was consistently habitual and that you walked in it habitually. So it wasn't just that you sinned and that was it. You became sin. You operated in sin. You thought only about sin and you did nothing but sin. That's what the Bible declares. People have trouble with that. People fight with the Bible. But if you're going to receive salvation, you've got to agree with the Bible, not just in Jesus' salvation, but in what Jesus says about you before salvation. Amen? Because most people don't uh, think they need a Savior. They have no idea that they need a Savior. They don't even think they're lost. They just add Jesus as another trinket on their you know, little bracelet and, you know, we'll just, yeah, I'm a Christian. They use Christian as a name badge rather than accepting the true salvation that he brings and bringing in him as Lord. See, that's the key. So he only becomes your Savior when he becomes your Lord. You know, and, and most people don't bow to the Lordship of Christ. They ask Jesus in their heart to save them. That is not scriptural. It's, you confess him as Lord, and he becomes your Savior. Amen? And so it's, it's important that we agree with the Bible about us, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we were children of disobedience. That's kind of hard to swallow. Most people can't swallow it. But you know what? I know better. I know how I live my life before Christ, and it is exactly what the Bible says. Amen? And he says, And you walked according to the course of this world, so there's a world. There's not just, guys, there's not just a nature on the inside of you, but there's also an environment that has been created for you to function in rebellion in. It's actually, you know, the world system, the course of this world, is, is, as it's called, is the set time of your culture. It's the ideas, the philosophies, the things that have been constructed around you to ensnare you and to keep you in that environment of sin, to cause you to not see life as it's meant to be seen. You're unable to see it. And when the gospel comes in, it's so foreign to you that God would love you and care for you and give his only son for you because you're not used to that. That's not the environment that you're in, and that's not the nature you abide in. Am I speaking to anybody here? It's the reason why it's so foreign. You know, to, to grace is so foreign to us. Because we don't live in a realm of grace. 
We don't operate in and from grace when we're lost. We don't have any clue as to what that is because grace is not a part of our lives. If you were in the world, there was no grace. Come on, there wasn't any grace. People would be nice to you. People would be, you know, do favors for you, but it always cost you something. It always had a hook in it. There was always some, some payback that, that had to be done. But to graciously offer something to, we, we, we find that suspect because we're, we've got a nature that's against God that is, uh, that is foreign to the nature of God, and the nature of God is grace. The nature of God is mercy. The nature of, oh, come on now. The nature of God is forgiveness. The nature of God is love. Amen? And to, well, that's just foreign to us. We're so used to operating east of Eden, we don't have any clue as to what that is. We're lost. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and he begins to betray the Father. And the very people that, that, that idolized him, if you want to use that term, idolized Yahweh and, and lived their life in, in uh, re, uh, religious devotion to him, couldn't even recognize him. Didn't even recognize him. And that shows you how deceptive the course of this world is. The course of this world masquerades God in such a degree that when he comes down in the flesh, they don't recognize him. Oh, my goodness. There's still a lot of churches that still operate in that construct. They tell you that God isn't merciful, that God is not gracious, that God is not kind, and that God only loves you because he loves Jesus. But Jesus himself said the Father himself loves you. What are you going to do with that? Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I'm serious. I had a young man tell me, God doesn't love you. God loves his son, and because you're in his son, he loves you. That's not what Jesus said. Sounds good, intellectually, you know, big-minded, and but there are pre, there's there's preaching going on right now, as I'm preaching to you about the love and the grace of God. There are people that are preaching condemnation, there are people that are preaching guilt, there's people that are preaching legalism right now, there are people that are preaching God that is not in the Bible, but is a fabrication of their own religious desires. Amen? And these are called doctrines of demons. They're doctrines of demons to say that God doesn't heal, that God doesn't uh, deliver, that God only picks the elect, that he didn't die for everyone, he just died for some people. That's a doctrine of devils. That's not what the Bible teaches. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen? The Bible says in 1 John that he died for the sins of the whole world, not just the elect, not just the... Come on now, somebody needs to hear this. People are selective about God. They can't believe because grace is so foreign to us. We can't believe that God would die for people that are on death row. We can't believe that, that he would die for us. We, I mean, it's hard for us to fathom because we know who we are. We know what's going on on the inside of us. And, and, you know, we can mask it up all we want to. We can church it up all we want to, you know. 
We're, we're, we're kind of like those poodles that, you know, get their nails painted and wear little sweaters, you know. We, 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 we doctor ourselves up and try to make ourselves into human babies, but we're, we're really a dog. We will drink out of the toilet. Come on. We will rub our tail end on the carpet. Hello, but I'm here to tell you, I'm here to preach to you the new creation. I'm here to preach to you the fact that Jesus has given you a new realm of existence to operate in. That you don't have to be an animal. You don't have to be what the college professors tell you and all of the scientists of all the world tell you. That you've evolved from, you know, uh, uh, you know animals and monkeys and things of that nature. You are in a higher class of being. God created you in his class. But we've been so ingrained with ideologies and philosophies of men, even in the religious sector, that have robbed us of our true identity in Christ and have caused us to live lives of slavery and bondage to the elemental spirits of this world. That's what the Bible calls them. Amen? But notice it says this, we walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Everybody say flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body. Everybody say body. And the mind. Everybody say mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. So here we get kind of a dissection of our condition. We begin to see that we followed the passions of our flesh. Now the word flesh there is very different than the word body. Body is the word soma. Flesh is the word sarke. And it has to do with the condition, attitude, and nature of the flesh. Okay? Your body isn't necessarily bad. It was created good. But the nature of the flesh is very evil. The nature of the flesh, it wants what it wants. It has passions. It has lusts. It wants that drink. It wants that. It desires things that are not good for it. It wants to satiate its thirst and is never satisfied. That's the nature of the flesh. And it says we were by nature children of wrath and we walked in the lust or the passions of our flesh and of the body. Okay? Now he delineates the two. The nature of the flesh has to do more with, a, with, with, with the, the spiritual degradation and death that is within us that is within our flesh that has not been redeemed. But when it comes to our body, our body has certain appetites. Does it not? They're not abnormal appetites, the need for food, the need for shelter, the need for significance, the need for, you know, productivity, the need for this, the need for that. But however, when we, when we relegate our life solely to body needs... 
we live a lower base existence. Hello. And we're not meant to live that way. And then he goes on and says, and of the mind. So what is he talking about there? He's talking about the carnal mind, the mind that is ruled by the flesh. Because that's what the flesh and the mind were buddies before Christ. They operated as one. They were bosom buddies. They, whatever the mind would think, the flesh would do. And whatever the flesh would want, the mind would side with. I mean, you'd see something on television, and it'd stir your flesh up, that desire of the flesh, and all of a sudden you see yourself doing it in your mind. And then you start seeing yourself doing it in the physical because you have taken it full circle. You've went from exterior, your stimuli, to beginning to think about it intrinsically and then coming out and doing the deed and that was over and 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 even more over again and it was a vicious cycle and what came with that? Condemnation, guilt, shame. Oh, the act might have felt good, but boy, the after effects. The come down is horrible. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. Oh my gosh, how can God ever love me? How can I ever be saved? How can I ever be in God's kingdom? How can I, you see what I'm saying? You see what the devil does? The devil wants to get you in that continuous cycle to keep you from reaching out to the grace of God. He doesn't want you to know the grace of God. He wants you trapped in that cycle of you expressing your carnal desires through the mind out to the body to where you're constantly enslaved by your thoughts and your actions. Are you with me? Do you understand? Well, see, even carnal Christians can operate this way. You don't have to necessarily just be lost. You can operate in this, you know, cycle as well. You know, people that begin to back away from God and don't want the things of God, uh, a lot of times it's because of some secret thing that's going on in their life. Uh, they have some secret uh, sin or some secret habit that is keeping them from going forward in God. And they're afraid that they're going to have to give up something that they think is good for them in order to grab a hold of what God's grace in their life. But I'm here to tell you God's grace is greater than anything you're in bondage to. God's grace is greater than anything that you're wrestling with right now. Amen? And a full understanding of God's grace in your life will not cause you to have a license to sin but it'll actually empower you to stand against sin and keep you from continuing on that course. But that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. The enemy does not want you to know anything about the grace of God, anything about forgiveness, anything about that. 
and he'll conceal it from you. And the main way he conceals it with you, from you, is through your soul. Amen? Okay, all right. Let's, let's look, at, uh, look at some things here. Let's look at, um, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I've got a lot of scriptures here. I hope you don't mind looking at scriptures. Hallelujah. I think scriptures are a good thing. Especially when you're teaching the Bible, you ought to use scriptures. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verse number 26. It says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body, and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Okay, so Kirby, would you come up here? Would you stand up here and just come right up here? And uh, Kirby's up here, and then I'm going to have uh, goodness gracious. I guess I'm going to have Jeff come up here again. Jeff, would you be the? And then I'm going to have Trevor come on up here. All right. So I'm going to see which one's taller. Okay. All right. So okay. All right. So. All right. So, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23, he says, I pray that, uh, that you be sanctified wholly or completely, that God will sanctify you wholly and completely, and that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord. Okay, so God's desire is for you to be completely whole in all three dimensions of your being. Now, this isn't going to happen because the Bible says we have to actively participate in that process. Okay? Again, God has empowered us to discover. So the empowerment is there but the execution lies on us. We have to step. Now, God will take our steps, and he'll make great strides with them. But we have to step. We have to make a decision to operate the way that God created us to operate in. Okay? So, in these three different dimensions that you operate in, you, are a body, you have a body that you dwell in. But you also have a soul, which is your intellect, your mind, your will, and emotions. It's the ability to be sentient and to be able to operate, see, and, and interact with the natural realm. But it also is an access point to your spiritual condition. So it's not just a, a thoroughfare to, through your physical body. It actually connects you to two, two sides of information, uh, which is... The, the physical, which would be your senses, and then also your spiritual, which is a connection with God. Okay, so you've got, basically, you're connected to two sources of information or data. Okay? Now, because you're dead in your trespasses and sins, this, this, your spirit, is not tied to the right source. 
So it's still active because it's just dead in the sense that it's separated from its true source. But the enemy seeks to give a substitute source, which was where we get witchcraft, where we get, um, you know, um, various um, superstitions, things of that nature. And even religious religions begin to, you know, kind of operate within that realm. Okay? But mainly uh, what religion works in is in our soul. Okay? So, but, but this, this entity, this, this spirit is not connected to God at this time. So that means that all my information from all my education, from all of my indoctrination, from all of my assimilation in society is going to come through this. So my soul, if you'll move up a little bit, will be greatly linked to my flesh and my body. So it's going to side with whatever the body sees. Well, I don't see it. I don't feel it. Therefore, it is not true. How many have ever thought that? Well, I can't see it. I don't feel any different. Somebody lays hands on you and says, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. Well, I don't feel healed. Well, where's that coming from? That's coming from what is known as the carnal mind. The carnal mind. That means a mind that is ruled by the flesh. That doesn't mean someone who's just given to porn. You know, people use carnal mind and they think, you know, that has to do with sexual sin. No, it has to do with you basing your life decisions and what you are called to do based upon the physical circumstances surrounding your life. That means to limit your life based solely upon what you can see rather than discerning what you cannot see because you have been created to operate in realms that cannot be seen by the physical eyes but can be known and experienced by your spirit. Amen? But because we're in a state of spiritual death... We don't have access to that information. But thank God the gospel comes. And the gospel's preached that in Christ Jesus is the forgiveness of sins and that anyone that believes on him is freed from everything that the law of Moses could not do. You are free. You are given new life. Jesus took your place. He died for you. He was raised to newness of life so that you could receive life more abundant. And that comes into our spirit and begins to make a brand new creation on the inside of us. Our spirit is now alive unto God and strong. But yet, we still find that we're still connected. Do you see what I'm saying? I know something's changed on the inside of me. I know that something has happened. But you know what? I still think the way I used to think. I may even talk the way I used to talk. I may, not, I may use my sentence enhancers a little bit more than, you know, still. 
What's the reason for that? The reason for that is that we have not successfully used the Word of God and our devotion to the Lord to begin to toggle our soul to where it begins to get more and more influenced by the Spirit on the inside of us. You see, God dwells here. God does not dwell here. Oh, you need to get a hold of that. Because some of you guys are looking for omens. God, if you just do this, if, you just, if it's a, a sunshiny day tomorrow, I know that you're with me. Did you know that that is never the way God leads you? Well, if I get, uh, if, if, if I see that dog, if that dog runs, uh, runs in front of my car, I'll know that he, he never leads that way. That's the realm of the devil. Did you know that this physical realm is his realm? And you start putting fleeces out saying, God, if you'll do this, I'll follow you all my days. And, you know, and putting out fleeces. Hello. Well, the devil knows how to make your fleece look just like God. Because he can manipulate the physical world. No, for your, listen, listen to this, guys. For your safety and your preservation, God chooses to communicate directly to your spirit. Because these two realms, my friend, are easily manipulated. God owns this. That is his real estate in your life. Did you know that? That's his real estate in your life. Okay, let, let me prove it to you, all right? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Are you getting anything out of this? Is this helping anybody? Romans chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice he doesn't tell you to do anything with your spirit. Why? Because the work in your spirit is a finished work. Let me say that again. What God has done in your spirit is a finished work. Well, what, well, what spiritual growth then, Pastor? What, 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 you know, if, if we're to grow spiritually, what is that? You need to understand that spiritual growth is more about the allowing of what God's done in you to come out. That's what spiritual growth is. It isn't that this is born a baby and has to grow. It becomes like a child through the channel of the soul and is expressed in the body. And as the Word, word of God renews the mind, 
then it begins to side more with the source that's in your spirit and thereby brings the body in subjection, causing you to operate at a more mature level. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? Because the body, it's, it, you know, listen, have you ever, every time you have a conflict within you, these three voices pipe in. Feelings, reason, and conscience. And they all talk. And this one gives the worst advice in the world. They, it will tell you crazy stuff to do because it's all based on feelings. Did you know feelings are the most deceptive things that you could ever have in your life? That the enemy uses this as the gateway to suppress the, the, the united heart because he knows if your heart gets united and you yield to the word of God with your heart, it will change your circumstances. So he seeks to divide and get this divided to where it's not functioning right, that there is a short circuit between the spirit to the body, okay? Because the spirit can't directly touch the body, okay? That's even true of demon spirits. Demon spirits have to use the soul as the channel by which to get the body to do certain things. So in the same thing with the God. God uses our spirit to begin to move into our body. So come up here. See, the spirit can't come over here. It's a violation to, to deal with the body directly. You're not made that way. He has to work through the channel of the soul to get to the body. It's just like 51 here. If you're going home, some of you live in Sand Springs, some of you live in Tulsa, some live in Broken Arrow, believe it or not. Okay, I have to go 51. I can't bypass 51, but I have to get on 51. I have to drive through 51 to get to where I want. There's the same thing. We have to use the soul. The spirit has to use the soul to touch the body. That's the reason why he says, renew your mind. The more I renew my mind to the word of God, the more I'm connected to my spirit, which releases life into my physical body. That's how healing works. Healing is not something that attacks you without and comes on you without. It's something that comes from within and goes without. The Bible says, work out. Your own salvation with fear and trembling. Where is salvation? Right now, salvation is right here. Because you're saved here. You're being saved here. And you will be saved here. Do you see the process? See, I'm already saved. I'm as saved as I'm ever going to be saved in my spirit. My spirit is in the image of Jesus Christ. And the identity that I am is Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. But is Christ manifesting in my flesh? 
Do I still have a temper? Do I still throw a fit? Do I still cuss? Do I still smoke? Do I still have habits? Yes, I do. Why? Because my mind was so used to being connected with my body that I just did whatever my body wanted to do. And if my body wanted it, my mind said, hey, I'm in. But now I'm born again. Now when I try and get tempted to go that direction, there's something in me that's talking to me. There's something in me that's saying maybe I shouldn't do that. There's something in me that brings conflict to my life that wasn't there before. And the only way I'm going to be able to let the voice of my conscience take control is I got to side my soul with it. And the only way is I have to, get this, I have to indoctrinate my soul. I have to brainwash my soul in the Word of God. I got to acclimate it and give it lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson to teach my soul the ways of the Spirit. Amen? But see, all three of these, they exceed in strength. The reason why I have this stair step here is to show you that what we really emphasize in this life is actually the weakest component of our being. Your body is perishing. Now, praise God for divine life and the Word of God that can keep us young and bring back our health. But listen, this is the least of your expression. This is absolutely the least, but yet we make it the most. We, we doll it and keep it up, you know, and, and care about what it looks like and things of that nature sometimes at the expense of the other realms that we're to operate in but I'm here to tell you the older you get the older you get the less you put the emphasis on here and the more you put the emphasis on here if you want to operate in divine life your emphasis can't be here the Bible says to be carnally minded is death it means that you can operate in the realm of death even when you're redeemed from death by being carnally minded. But it says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many could stand a little bit more peace? How many could stand a little bit more life? Well, the key is, is to get our spirit lined up with our soul and begin side against the flesh. Notice that we are to bring the flesh into subjection. Remember the scripture I just read? The ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians? He said, I bring my body. He said, I. Who's the I? The spirit man, the real man. I bring my body into subjection. Well, how does he bring it into subjection? He puts his hand on here and then bam. That's how he brings it under subjection. He gets control of his soul, his thought life, which causes the body to come into subjection to the word that came from the Spirit. 
Are you with me? Amen? So he doesn't do this. That's not the way it works. And a lot of people, that's what they want to do. They want to still have their stinking thinking and try to suppress their flesh. It isn't going to happen. You're going to have to... Did you know repentance means a change of mind? That's what repentance means? Well, guess what? Repentance comes to the mind first. And the mind says, you know what? I don't think I need to do that anymore. So the temptation gets over there. What happens? Bam! You don't need to do that anymore. And here's the power to overcome that. I tell you, I'm preaching way better than you're saying amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've run out of time. But look at this. Look at the way this works. Your intellectual capacity far exceeds your, your physical capacity. But your spiritual capacity way far exceeds your mental capacity or your physical capacity. So why would I emphasize this? Why would this be the end-all, be-all of my existence? How I look, what I drive, what I wear. And then we take it a little step further and we get education. We think we're Mr. Big, big Stuff. Know it more than anybody. But yet, that is still inferior to the Spirit. It's absolutely inferior to the Spirit. When I get it right, and I begin to operate as a living soul, not a soul living. Did you get that? Not a soul living, but a living soul. Then I'm in proper alignment and when God drops something down in my spirit, did you notice that the scripture that we read, it says that I pray that you might be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in your spirit. So let's, let's go back over there. I got I to show you this, all right? And then we'll end with this, I promise. This will save you some money. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. Notice what it says. He says, For this cause I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. How many would like to be strengthened with power? Uh, nobody else? You want to be strengthened with power? How many could use more strength in their life? Amen. I mean, I, I need more strength. And sometimes we, we got it backwards where we think that, that strength comes a different way. Strength comes from the Spirit. Did you know that? Strength comes from the Spirit. If you need strength in your body, it's not going to come through the foods that you eat or the five-hour energy drinks that you drink or whatever. It's not going to come from, you know, uh, taking some kind of caffeine, you know, Come on, people, I need taking that five-hour energy, drinking them at $5 a pop. Strength comes from the Spirit, both negatively and positively. Did you know that? Because we have Samson, who was strengthened by the Spirit of God, and then we have the demoniac of Gadara, who was strengthened by demon spirits, 
And they both exhibited supernatural strength. Where did it come from? The spirit. The spirit realm. Strength comes from the spirit realm. Write that down. Strength comes from the spirit realm. Okay? Because notice what it says. It says that you would be strengthened with power through his spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. In your spirit. Oh, get a hold of that. So how does God strengthen me? Well, we would like God just to glob onto our flesh and make us feel strong. But he doesn't work that way. He goes first here. He strengthens us in our spirit, which then in turn strengthens and then strength is imparted. The same is true. You could take this same thing and say this. I pray that God would heal you by his spirit through your spirit. Do you understand that? See, most of us think that flesh and healing is outside of us. But when I lay hands in the name of Jesus on Jeff, that anointing goes here. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you some truth, right? I'm laying it down for you. It goes right here. And dependent upon his belief... Dependent upon what his soul believes about that, releases it into his physical body. See, when you're a believer and you say, I want oil, oil on me, I want, want you to lay hands on me. Listen, we're ministering to your spirit. You're equating it to your body. And that also means, guys... That when healing is imparted to our spirit, there may be delay because of this factor right here. Because we're healed in accordance with our faith. So if my belief system cannot, oh, good, Lord, this is good. If my belief system cannot support the revelation of power, then it will short-circuit it to my body. But it doesn't mean it's left. Because the anointing resides. Amen. There are people that have died with the anointing in their body. The anointing to heal in their body. What caused the short-circuit right here in the middle? Right here in the renewed mind. Because, see, I can come up and I can get hands laid on me, but, you know, I can walk away and say, well, I don't feel any different, you know. Nothing ever happened. I didn't get a goose pimple. I didn't, you know, I didn't get this. I didn't fall down. You know, that's a lot of people. I didn't fall down. You don't have to fall down. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe the Word of God. That hands are laid on you. Amen. It goes into your spirit. If you're born again, it goes into your spirit. And then it comes through the renewed mind into the physical body. Amen? Now, an unbeliever is very different because an unbeliever doesn't have this component. They're not born again. So basically, God will use gifts, gifts of healings, graces that will come upon directly upon the body. 
And that, and oh, God, you're so good. He's, this is good, rich stuff here. But here's what happens, though. If, if Jeff doesn't take a hold of that and start working on this component or actually get born again as well, then basically he's going to have a season of health, but it's going to leave him because he doesn't have the ability to sustain and that's the reason why a lot of people that, have, that get healing that way, they end up having returning symptoms. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live that way. You have a continuous cycle of healing that is projected towards you if you'll just simply begin to renew your mind, letting your spirit empower your life into your physical body. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that that same spirit will quicken, bam, bam, your mortal body. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I've run out of time. I hope that you got a hold of that because that wasn't even in 9 o'clock. Amen? The Spirit of the Lord is equipping us. He's equipping us. He's equipping us for these last days. And you need to be ready. You need to be ready. How about, how about if all our health systems go down? It could happen. What if your medicine is cut off? I'm not against medicine. Not against it at all. But guess what? You don't have to die. What if food supply gets cut off? What if you lose your job in the next few months? The answers are in the Word of God. God is your source. He will sustain you. And that's what he said. To train to reign. That's what train means. To train to reign in life. And it's not my personal reign. It's Jesus' reign through me. Because there's only one king, friend. There's only one true king. I'm just a king of kings. You're just a king of kings. But guess what? It's his kingship. It's not mine. I don't have a personal rule and realm. It's all his. But I only reign in life when he reigns in me. I only reign in life when he fully reigns in me. Amen? He doesn't have half of me. He doesn't have a quarter of me. He has all of me. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live. That means that there's a difference between the way I live my life with Christ and when I lived without Him. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. and gave. It's the faith of Jesus operating in my life that brings the kingdom of God in manifestation. Amen? Now, we're going to have counselors that are up here. If you need to be born again, rededicate your life, baptize in the Holy Spirit, or you need healing in your body or deliverance, 
You can have your need met today. Don't go any further without being changed by the power of God. Amen? Praise the Lord.